0: It is a joy to be with you uh, this morning, and as we come uh, together now and open the word together, uh, let's pray, and we will turn our Bibles, though, to Mark chapter 10, verse 32 to 45, and before we then get into this, let's pray together. Father, we thank you and we praise you for your word. We thank you today to worship you. Lord, truly, uh, there is none other but you. You are the one that is worthy, the only one that we come here to worship and glorify. I pray, Father, that this would be true now in your word. Give us ears that we might hear the truth from your word today. In your name I pray, amen. Well, as we turn our Bibles to Mark chapter 10, Um, I want to ask a few questions. If I mention Christ, if I mention Jesus, what is it that you think of first? What is the first thing that comes to mind? If you are like me um, or others, maybe the first thing is you think of the cross. We see the cross always, and um, it has been a symbol in Christianity. And this is is good. Jesus' death on the cross is very important for us. We need his sacrifice. But do we consider Jesus as Lord? When we think of Jesus, do we think, well, he is my Lord. He is the one who I want to be like. He is the one I want to follow. Well, today I want us to look at what I think is one of the great lessons of Jesus and one that all of us as Christians Um, need to follow that we want to be uh, more like Jesus in this regard and so if you have your Bibles let's look at Mark chapter 10 and we're going to read here verse 32 to 34 he says now they were on the road going up to Jerusalem and Jesus was going before them and they were amazed and as they followed they were afraid Then he took the twelve aside again and began to tell them the things that would happen to him. Behold, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And the third day he will rise again." Now, Jesus here is actually continuing a teaching. And once again, Jesus is traveling with his disciples. And as he often did, if you have ever read through the book of Mark, we see a major theme of Mark as Jesus' teaching. And there are some teachings that he teaches to the masses. And there are some teachings that were for the disciples. And this is one of those teachings he is teaching his closest companions, those who he spent the most time with, and he's doing this. And as he's going to Jerusalem, the disciples are amazed. Do you see that? As they're going up to Jerusalem, and Jesus was going before them, and they were amazed, and they were, and as they followed, they were afraid. Now these disciples, as they they went, Jesus. Um, here is not behind. He is ahead of them. He is leading the pack, if you will. And this again is important because the teaching that Jesus is teaching actually started back in chapter eight. Chapter eight, verse thirty one, we see that he began to teach his disciples. And so if we we will track this a little bit later, in which we see, the entirety of what Jesus is actually teaching his disciples. So Jesus tells them again that they are going up to Jerusalem and he will be betrayed. And when he's betrayed, he will be given over to the hands of the Gentiles. And these Gentiles are the Romans. They will mock him. They will scourge him. They will spit on him. And they will kill him. But the third day, he will rise again. Then, after this, we see that Jesus here, though, what is he doing? He's walking in front, right? Now, I don't know about you, but I would not be walking in front. If I knew I was walking to my death, if I knew I was going to where I was going to be betrayed and spit on and mocked and beaten, scourged, I don't know if I would be in front. (laughs) I think I would probably be taking the slowest possible walk I could, but that wasn't Jesus. Jesus here is leading his disciples in front, and the disciples are amazed by this. They're amazed as he's in front. He He is charging towards Jerusalem, And we are the ones following behind. Now Jesus tells them about this, his death coming, and you would think that the disciples, that's what they would be thinking about. They would be thinking about all that that Jesus is about to go through and what is about to happen, but not all the disciples were thinking about that. Look at verse, verse 35. Then James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Came to him saying, Teacher, we want you to do for us whatever we ask. Now, this question is a good one, right? This question is the kind of question that we as parents sometimes hear our kids ask. They'll come and they'll ask, Do whatever I ask. Uh, no, no, no. What is it you want? You know, as parents, we know this question. I had one of my kids that. Uh, fortunately is not in the room, um, used to come up and ask me something and would preface it at the very end, she would say, but don't say no. So she would say, daddy, can I have ice cream? Don't say no. Can I go, can I go here? Don't say no. Can we go out and do this? Don't say no. And I would always say, but sweet, sweetheart, I can't, I can't just say yes to everything that you ask. Well, see, these disciples come with somewhat of a similar question. They're asking Jesus to do whatever they ask of him. And just like many parents whose kids come and ask such a question, Jesus knows better. And so he he knows better, and he then responds with another question. Look at verse 36. And Jesus said to them, What do you want me to do for you? They said to him, Grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left in in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? So Jesus responds and he knows their hearts. He knows what's, what's going on. He responds with that question of, what is it you want? What is it that you're asking for? And then they tell him. The two brothers came with a request that was in a sense asking for the best seats, the highest position that there could be. They knew Jesus was, was the best seat, but they wanted the two. They wanted one on the left, one on the right. They wanted the best. They wanted to be the best. And Jesus then, again, he responds with a response that is maybe not what they they were expecting. In verse 38, he says, But Jesus said to them, You do not know what you ask. Are you able to drink the cup that I drink and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? See, Jesus is using these symbols of the cup and the baptism as symbols of his death, burial, and resurrection. And he asks them, can you do this? Can you take this? Can you die like me? Can you be buried like me and rise like me? Well, if we were to ask that same question today, I don't know if we would all be like, yes, we all can be exactly like Jesus in this way. But these disciples respond. Verse 39 they said to him, We are able. So Jesus says to them, You will indeed drink this cup that I drink. And with the baptism, I am baptized with, you will be baptized, but to sit on my right hand and on my left is not mine to give but it is for those for whom it is prepared these disciples quickly say yes we're able we can do this we can can follow you Jesus just like you do but truly they were not not yet they needed Jesus to go before them. They needed Jesus to die first, to be buried, to rise again the third day before they could, just like all of us do. We need Christ to go before us. Here, Jesus is, is again, um, using this cup and, and, and baptism, but their time will come. He doesn't say that they will never. He says, you will be baptized in this baptism. You will take this cup as, as I am. But the seats that they desire, this greatest seats, he says, those aren't mine to give. Those ones have already been, been decided and it was never mine to give. Now, these two brothers wanted to be the first amongst equals. Remember, James and, and John were not the only disciples. They're there with 10 others. They're there with the group of the close um, disciples of Jesus, and they wanted those seats. They wanted to be high. They wanted to be great, and this is not an issue. To be great is something good to esteem, as I'll, I'll mention a little later. But they did not. This did not sit well, as you can imagine, with the other disciples. The other disciples who are standing there and they hear this question, I mean, can you imagine sitting there as a disciple? You know, Jesus, give us whatever we ask. The other disciples, really? I mean, really? What is he going to ask now? And then as they ask this, we want the best seats, you can imagine how they would feel. And this is exactly right. They responded not in a good way look at verse 41 and when the 10 heard it they began to be greatly displeased with James and John they heard these questions and they were not happy they weren't happy that these two brothers wanted the best seats now why why would they be upset about this How dare these two ask what the others really wanted? How dare they ask for the best seats? Because I want the best seats. I want the greatest position. See, we saw this, if you you look back in, in Mark chapter 9, verse 33 to 35, this was the dispute there. The disciples, as they're walking, and Jesus is teaching them They were disputing amongst themselves who is greatest. Who is the the best disciple? Who is the best of all? And so here, as James and John asked this question, I think this was probably just what the other disciples really did desire. So the other disciples are displeased, but Jesus, knowing their hearts as he did, calls them to himself. And listen to what he says, verse 42. He says, but Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. Jesus here takes them to the world. He says, you know how the world is. You know how the Gentiles deal with greatness, how they esteem greatness. Jesus states this, and and this is something we know all too well, isn't it? Sometimes we ourselves are taught at a young age, we're taught to desire greatness even at the cost of others. We don't necessarily say it out loud like I just did but we kind of know it. We should be great. We should have greatness. And this greatness sometimes, as I said, should be achieved by the expense of others. Jesus mentions two examples, rulers, those who lord over others. We know this, this would be those who were in high positions, those like kings and politicians and leaders people who have authority positions those who have those positions tend to lord it over others i don't know if you've ever had a boss in a, in a workplace who has a position and uses simply his position or her position to exert authority not because they're worthy or that they are doing well in that job but simply because I'm the boss and you're not these are the rulers he then says the great ones and these are those who exercise authority over others these are those who maybe are esteemed high in the community maybe they don't have a position of authority but they hold authority just based upon who they are maybe based upon their family or their background, how many qualifications they have. In Namibia, qualifications are everything. Someone will say, oh, well, you know, what qualification do you have? What, what is your degree? What is this? That's how they esteem people high, if they have an, a, a certain qualification. And sometimes those who do that, they will exercise authority over others. Now, we all have bosses or leaders that we know that would fit into this category. And Jesus takes his disciples to the world first. He says, you know this. You know how the world is. It's not hard. If we talked about it in a group and had like a little small group discussion, I'm sure we would come up with many examples of this that Jesus is talking about it's easy to see in the world. We may even say things and justify it by saying, well, this is just the world we live in. In Namibia, we have a conversation. Um, There is a group in Namibia called the San people. They're the Bushmen. And this group is sort of the original inhabitants um, in Namibia. All the other tribes that have come in, they migrated into Namibia and When they came there, they found the Bushmen. And the San people in many tribes are a despised tribe. And so much so that even Christians will sometimes hire them to work on their farms. And when they work, instead of giving them a fair and right wage, they pay them in alcohol. They give them liquor. And when you ask them, why are you doing that? It's not right that you do that. You should pay them a fair wage. They'll say, they don't know how to handle money. It's easier just to give them alcohol. That's despicable. It's always hard to see such a thing. But when you, you confront someone with that, sometimes their response is, well, that's just how they are. That's just the world we live in. Well, that's true. That is the world that we live in. But Jesus is going to teach his disciples and us a different way. A way in which we as Christians should live differently than the world around us. Look at verse 43 to 44. He says, yet it... Shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. And whoever of you desires to be first shall be slave of all. This is not the way the disciples or us should should be. The world is not the model for us as Christians of greatness. It is not what we esteem to be in all of life to be like the world, is it? That's not our goal. We don't live and say, as a Christian, I hope I can be more worldly. That would be not good. I hope none of us say that. Okay. Um, but rather, what Jesus is saying here is that there is a better way that if we desire to be great, then we need to be a servant. We need to be a servant. We need to serve those around us. If we want to be first, as James and John wanted to be first, he says, be a slave. Be a slave of all. Put yourself low, under all the others. You see, this is the great thing that he Jesus was teaching. And this is not just here in chapter 10. But we need to see this today, and I want to take a little journey with you in Mark because I want us to understand that this teaching was important. Look at, this all started in chapter 8. Chapter 8, verse 31, through um, chapter 9, verse 1. After Jesus tells his disciples of his death for the first time, He tells them of his death and his resurrection. What does he do? He teaches them that they must deny themselves and then follow him. I'm going to die. Deny yourself and follow me. Then secondly, after the second telling of his death and his resurrection he teaches that to be first means to be a servant in in Mark chapter 9, verse 30 to 37. And he even illustrates it even more. You can read it on your own, where he picks up a child and sits a child in the midst of the disciples and says, this is what it means to be great. He gives them even a picture in that. And then, here in Mark 10, we see Jesus' Third, telling of his death and resurrection. And after this, he teaches that to be great is to be a servant and if you want to be first, be a slave. Three times he teaches after three times he tells them of his death. But Jesus was not just simply telling them was he? You see, Jesus was not just talk. He was action. Jesus was exemplifying his teaching. Every time he told them, I'm going to die, he says, be a servant. Oh, and I'm on my way to do so. You remember, Where is Jesus in the pack of these disciples? He's out front. He's in front, leading. He's on his way, not being held back, not being being afraid. He is pressing on, going to his death to be a sacrifice and a servant. Jesus was showing them this, this truth. Look at verse 45. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. That is what greatness looks like. Jesus is the best example of greatness we have, he is great. Because he is a sacrifice and he is a servant. Can you see how Jesus is a sacrifice and a servant here? His disciples certainly saw it. And they would, going forward, would see more. As I mentioned, greatness is good for us as Christians to strive towards. We should strive towards greatness, but not according to the ways of the world, but the the ways of Jesus. I know there are many here who know what sacrifice and service looks like. I don't know you all, but I can imagine that some Struggle at times to serve and to sacrifice for for God. When there's an opportunity at the church to serve, are you the first to sign up? I don't know if you guys do sign up stuff. I don't know we do that in Namibia. But are you the first? Are you going? I want to serve because Jesus served. When there's an opportunity to sacrifice time money, maybe even personal comfort? Are you the first to sacrifice those things to give it all? Because Jesus sacrificed so much more. See, when we talk about sacrifice and service and being great in God's eyes, it's not about us. It's not about what we can achieve, or some kind of name for ourselves, it is a, it's all about Jesus' name. It's all about esteeming him high. Why do I serve in missions? It's because of Jesus. Why would I sacrifice time? And I've been in Namibia 18 years. Why would I do that? It's not because of me. I am little, Little. I hope my name means very little. But I hope Jesus is lifted high. He is the reason I serve. He is the reason I sacrifice. And I hope everyone around me knows Jesus because of that. That's my hope. And I hope that is you today. I hope that you will esteem to be great in Jesus's eyes. You will esteem to be great, not because I tell you that that's how to follow Jesus, but I hope you esteem to be great because Jesus was our sacrifice and our servant. I don't know if you are struggling with this, I think this is essential for missions and ministry. Of all the different lessons that I have learned over the years, this one is big. If you are in ministry or in missions, you must be a servant and a sacrifice and glorify God as you do it. If that's you, then continue. Praise the Lord. Continue to be that way if that is not you then repent today follow Jesus follow your Lord because just as he is leading the disciples he is leading us today to be a sacrifice and a servant let's pray together Father we thank you and we praise you You are a great God and King. And I pray that you would continue to teach each one of us today through your word to be more of a sacrifice and a servant. Thank you for Jesus and the great example we have. I pray that we follow. That we consider him in all that we do, in all aspects of our life. I thank you for this church. I thank you for all that they do and all they will continue to do, both locally and in Namibia. I pray that you bless them and grow them and that your grace would shine upon them. And I pray this in your name. Amen.